Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Career Move Secrets. Today's guest is Mary Hewitt. Mary started her career nearly 20 years ago in management consulting within the energy space, and today she is the interim managing director of Chiltern Railways in the transport sector. Hi, Mary. How are you? Hi, Tony. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. First day of our new lockdown here, I guess. Are you? I take it you're at home. Yes, I'm at home today in my spare room, which has been uh, converted into a temporary office, given nobody's going to be coming to stay anytime soon. No, we won't be doing that for a month. Maybe maybe at Christmas we'll have people if uh, if we're lucky. Let's hope so. <laughs> Mary, I obviously know a little bit about you having done a little bit of research on you, but but of course the listeners will not know. Could you give us the uh, the career history, please? Yes, of course. So as you said, um, I'm currently Interim Managing Director at Chiltern Railways. I'm seconded from my substantial post at Arriva as Strategy and Policy Director in the UK Trains Division. I've been doing that for um, about three and a half years now, since 2017, um, very much focusing on kind of what government policy means in a commercial environment and therefore what the Arriva UK Trains strategy needs to be. Um, Prior to that, I worked in the energy sector and power generation as well, and I held senior roles in strategy strategy and policy teams within power generation companies. So for VTOL, a large energy trader, and then before that for RWE, um, who most people know in the UK is who own Empower, although there have been various iterations since I left. Mm -hmm. And then prior to that, I did about 10 years management consulting in the strategy consulting space. Started off at PwC Consulting in their strategy consulting graduate program, was sold off to IBM when the consulting bit was sold off to IBM and stayed there for a couple of years. But then um, the work wasn't really kind of going in the direction that I wanted, which was kind of problem solving strategic. Um, So I joined a small consultancy called Corvin, um, had a fantastic few years with them, um, rose up through the ranks, works all over the world. So Nigeria, Russia, um, lived in the Netherlands for two years, Houston, all these glamorous oil and gas locations, Swansea, Preston, (laughs) um, (laughs) on on a range of clients, but mainly in the energy and utility space. Um, so a very short potted history um, and a rather varied career um, to get where I am today. And if you'd asked me as a fresh faced 22 year old where I thought I'd be in 20 years, I don't think it would be doing the role I am doing today. No, it's quite it is very interesting because they're two sort of key areas for me as a recruiter energy. Well, three, if you like, management consulting 
uh, energy and transportation. And, and yet, you know, over 20 years, I've not seen lots and lots of people making, you know, that, that sort of leap from, say, energy to, to, not, to not to a sort of main, you know, sort of pr- premium role within the rail sector. So that, that, that's quite an interesting one in itself. How is that, how is that journey sort of, how, how have you got there uh, is, the, is the interesting piece. Yeah, that, that's that's a very good question and one actually I, I am asked quite a lot. So um, I was doing this senior roles in the in power generation and I was project manager for the Electricity Market Reform Programme, which mm. was the UK government's programme to put in place the mechanisms to deliver decarbonisation. So it included the capacity mechanism, contracts for difference, um, the carbon tax, etc. So I wasn't working, I was working on the other side of the government with that. Um, that was all kind of bedded in. We'd had the first few couple of capacity auctions, contract for differences were all, all in place, you know, the mechanisms were all working. And I, you know, I, I always want a new challenge. And I looked around me and I thought, well, what is my new challenge in the energy sector? And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the energy sector. I'm still fascinated by it. I still follow it on a day-to-day basis. And then out of the blue, this job description landed on my desk, <laughs> excuse me, which combined my two favourite things. Um, which was about policy, you know, really, really senior policy role, proactively helping to shape government policy. And then at the same time, translating that into the strategy for a large organisation. Um, if you'd taken the rail, if it had if been energy on it, I'd have to be like, you know, there in a shot. Um, and then it was in, but it was in the railway. So that was the one bit I didn't have. Um, and I will be honest, I was really hesitant about joining the railway because, you know, it had a, at the time, it didn't have a great reputation. I worked next to Victoria and all the southern strikes were ongoing. So I, even though I wasn't travelling on those trains, I saw it firsthand and all of my colleagues were very much caught up in it. And, you know, the, the perception of the railway is actually, you know, is, it doesn't have the best people, etc. But um, the recruiter cons- uh, persuaded me to go along to the interview, the first interview, and I went along. And actually, I really liked what I heard. Like I said, the job description was exactly the thing that I want, the sort of thing that I wanted to do. And I was still hesitant. About it. And the people I met were really fantastic. I did a huge amount of due diligence um, around the people, around Arriva itself, um, and I decided to make make the leap, so to speak. Well, there's a pun in there somewhere, but not on not, not. Um, And I, ha- I haven't looked back. Um, and actually, kind of developing my career in the energy industry, you know, it was tough. You build your network, etc. And I found it much easier the second time round. I think partly you you know what you're doing the second time round. Partly I've come in at a very senior level. You know, I report mm-hmm. to the management management um, managing director, and I'm on the leadership team, etc. So you you know, people want to speak to you as opposed to when you're more junior. Mm-hmm. Um, and thirdly, I think it's just confidence that comes with experience as well. Um, so, yes, a, an interesting career move. But one, you know, the, the railway is fascinating. It's much like the energy sector. There are lots of parallels going through huge change, highly political. Um, c- customers really don't like what they're getting in a lot of cases. Um, you know, ongoing negative media, highly regulated environment. So lots and lots of parallels, but then also lots and lots of differences as well. So I was able to bring a lot of knowledge from the railway. And I don't think it's any secret, but the railway, people join the railway and then they stay there for nearly all their careers. And there's not, until recently, there wasn't a huge amount of movement and people coming in. So actually, I was able to bring a different perspective and a different dynamic, which is what Arriva were looking for when they recruited me. Um, and it, you know, it really, it, it's been refreshing to kind of 
people welcoming that different view. And I feel like I've been able to deliver change and make make a difference both from a reaver and in the wider industry. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I definitely, you know, the, the two industries do have their parallels. They're both, you know, monopolies that uh, got carved up and, and and sort of the market was was forced upon them. And it's it's not a perfect fit, is it, the sort of market for them? But it, but it does, you know, the, the, the mechanisms are there. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's, there's, you know, there's there's lots of lifers in in rail because they get you know they just love it and they they get involved in it and and actually yeah. there's quite a few in in in, in energy as well yeah and it, and it is great to I think some some forward thinking uh, leaders in in industries do like that fresh blood and and, and they seek it out how, how did they seek you out were you responding to an advert or were you headhunted how did that how did that work I I, I was I was headhunted for this one so mm. I. The remit was very much to go out and find people from other industries wow, who, okay. might, mm. who might have the right experience. And my understanding is there was probably when they interviewed initially, they had about half from the rail industry and then half from other industries as well. Right. But, um, yeah, no, it was, I was headhunted for it because I was, I, was not, I was not looking for a new job at the time. Um, mm. And I, I was very happy where I was. And I was also um, not looking for a role in the railway at the time. So it's funny how things often come to you as well. Yeah, well, you know, I, I I bang on about the hidden job market almost constantly on on this show and and elsewhere because you know it is eighty percent of the market in, in my view, and I I personally haven't uh, advertised a role in over ten years. Um, you know, so I, I I'm purely yeah. involved in that sort of search activity. But but yeah, I think most people's careers develop through reacting to opportunities. Um, you know, that's you know something that you have to do as a business person to to, to get ahead is realize when an opportunity comes your way that is worth exploring, explore it. And then as you rightly pointed out, do your due diligence um, and, and do that thoroughly so that you can, you can determine whether this is the right move for you, because that must've been quite a big one. I would imagine to, to go from, you know, one industry to another, you know, when you've not been looking to make that move. It interests me. What did you do in your due diligence? Cause this is something that I haven't touched on greatly in this show, but I, I, really i talk about it a lot but i haven't talked about the mechanics of it yeah um no that's that's a very good question and actually it was it probably in my whole career um was the hardest decision that i had to make um like i said i, I loved the role that i was doing there was lots of opportunity but i was and i was talking to them about kind of what came next with this with the same organization um Interestingly, I, um, I went to Miami on holiday about the time I'd been offered the job. <laughs> and my, my partner at the time, bless him, um, had about 10 hours of me bending his ear about should I, shouldn't I? And um, we, we wrote out a whole list, um, you know, why I should, why I shouldn't. So, you know, that classic pros and cons list. Mm. But also, um, I really pulled on my network for people I knew who worked in transport. Um, and that was my old consulting network. So people who I knew people who had worked with Arriva or who worked at Arriva or who either worked in the railway. Um, I had former colleagues as well who actually themselves worked at the Department for Transport, who I spoke to on a kind of a personal capacity as well. Um, and I also just, you know, did that kind of classic internet trawl. What can you, what can you find on the internet? How, what are people commenting about as well? Um, and, I, and I asked to meet a couple of who would be my peers um, before I accepted as well, mm. which I think a lot of people are hesitant to do, to do that. And I just thought, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And actually, thankfully, Arriva, Arriva were ha- happy to do that. So I, I met two other managing directors of the train companies at the time, 
just to kind of sense check whether I could get on with them, whether, you know, we had similar values. Arriva is actually a very value-led company, so they share their values at interview stage. Um, but just, you know, on that kind of connection level, are these the kind of people I wanted to work with as well? So it was a bit of kind of everything. Um, but because it was such a big decision, I wanted to be thorough in my due diligence and really make sure that it was the right decision for me. I think when I went in on day one, you know, back when we were all in offices, <laughs> I was still a bit like, oh, have I made the right decision? And it probably took three to six months for me to really think, yes, this, this is the right decision. I'm thriving. You know, I'm, I'm loving this role. I'm really bringing something to it as well and helping to kind of take the business forward. Well, that is, that is the bedding in period, isn't it, for senior highs? I think, you know, it's 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 more likely six months than three. Uh, I take it you probably had a 90-day plan and then a plan beyond that that you would you would sort of go through when you get in, which again is something that I advocate people do because, you know, the, the more senior you are, the less likely that somebody's going to tell you what to do and how to do it. You actually have to, to do it yourself. Um, so, so, yeah, absolutely. But, but I also, you know, what I love there is the fact that you've, recognize that this is a two-way process that you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you and that you are you know you you don't just interview what's in front of you because they're doing the same they're doing background checks on you background information on you they're talking to other people no doubt who know you and you must do the same about the organization and 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 the peer-to-peer thing is is key in fact you know in most of my recruitment processes now that i do with clients that i've done for a long time is you know they, they meet other members of the team you know, people that they'll be managing, people that would be at the same level of the, as them, and and they have even those meetings offsite and in coffee houses, and yeah. sometimes even in the pub to try and get you know the real steer rather than um, you know the brochure, uh, yeah. <laughs> which can be can be two different things. Yeah, well, the, the small strategy consultancy I worked for, you went. It, I mean, the recruitment process was rigorous, so you had to come a first round interview, then a case study, then a equivalent of a partner interview, but then you had to go to the pub with four of the other consultants, and mm-hmm. and that was kind of that fit test, which yes. you know are these people you want to work with now, um, and actually you could people did and you could fail at that stage as well, um, and I think. But also it, it was a diverse team. So you have to make sure you have the right diversity in there as well. And the pub test doesn't necessarily always work. And I think it's, that was 15 years ago and we've moved on a little bit from that sort of thing. But it's so important because you spend so much time at work. You want to be able to work with these people. And, you, you know, I want, I want to be happy in my job. I want mm. to be, you know, in, enjoy it. The worst feeling is getting up in the morning and thinking I don't want to go to work. And mm. uh, yeah, that's hardly ever happened to me in my career. But, you know, that's why it's so important to do your own due diligence as well. Um, I would also say, I think, and I don't know whether this comes with experience or whether this is, you know, it's just kind of personality, but trust your gut to a certain extent as well. Um, listen, listen to your gut, do your due diligence, but don't ignore your gut feel. If it feels right, probably it is right. right. If it feels wrong, be extra vigilant in your due diligence and work out why it feels wrong. Head, head and heart, definitely. I mean, they're both, they're both, uh, they both have a, you know, a, a something to say in this process. And funnily enough, I'm, I maybe I'm behind the time zone because I'm still. Do, st- I mean, I have a client; they still do exactly the same thing. We do a sort of, you know, first meet, uh, relatively informal. We do a second one that's more peer group. We do a case study one, and then they do the, they do the pub, you know, and and there are quite a few that have fallen down when they do the pub. Yeah. When you know, two drinks in. And, you know, you're seeing whether they are, what their attitudes are to 
this, that, and the other. How how nice they are to other people is is a big thing yeah. for them. And 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 I absolutely agree with that it's it's knowing the real person. It's it's you know ultimately you have to like people that you're going to hire or work with um, because you're going to spend a lot of time with them, um, and that's something you want to establish relatively quickly. Yeah. Fact, my, my my only yeah my only concern, and I think it's it's I mean it's still a good way to do it, but you tend to like people who are like you as yes, well. Yes, that's true. That's true. It's, it's, yeah. how do, it's how do you embrace diversity? Mm. Um, it, it, but someone might be different from you, but you might, you might like them as well. So it's, mm. I think I'm very conscious of it because it, we've got such a challenge with um, recruiting di- a diverse population in the railway. So we're very mindful of anything that might exclude certain groups, whether that be women, BAME, et cetera. So yeah. really thinking about, um, you know, all male interview panels, for example, will put women off. Chances are, so really, th- really thinking about those sorts of things as well, which is just where I was coming through on that comment. But yes, no, and, and you know, and it's <laughs> it's an interesting one as well. So I have a, a an energy uh, consultancy client that that you know asks me regularly. You know, for every role, they want me to, you know, they want diversity in the in the talent pool, and they want me to put forward women particularly, um, and they want women in senior positions in their organisation. And, and in fact, I've had the same in the past with 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 uh, in the rail sector. Um, and you know what obviously there's something that we, we we definitely try to do and you can see that those industries and those companies are, are, are really trying to get the the diversity right it's, it's just that the talent pool is not always is, is yeah. sometimes you, you know in in one favor which is which is interesting why they they've obviously then widened that out partly to get different views but also partly to get you know a, a different group of people um into the into the into the industry which i think uh, everybody is trying to do so yeah I, I i understand that i think um i think sometimes these these last checks are yeah i agree with you with this idea that you, you people all all sort of uh recruiting their image uh identikit stuff does happen but i think um i think it's just a case of trying to get somebody on neutral ground isn't it and, yes, and understand who they yeah. are so there's 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 different ways of doing it but it's uh it's an important yeah. part of the piece. When you're no, recruiting now, how, what, what are your what are your sort of tactics? Uh, how do you go about it, and, and what what are the sort of advice that you would give to to people who are job seeking today? Yeah, that's a good, a good question. So at Arriva, I pretty much built up the strategy and policy team from scratch. Mm. Um, so I've done quite a lot of. It. I mean, it's a small team, but um, and then again, you know, at Chilton again, obviously we're doing a lot of recruitment too into positions, but. Um, it's it's being very clear about what you want as well and that work, that works on both both sides so um i know this sounds very mickey mouse but actually a very good job description and a very de- good specific description of what you're looking for and the skills you are looking for mm. so many times i've had cvs come across my desk that either the covering letter doesn't target the um advertisement that we've put out or the cv isn't tailored to what we're looking for um and the other thing, you know, I can't stand 10 page CVs. If mm. you can't tell me um, who you are in two to three pages, then, you know, I'm not sure the role in a strategy and policy environment is right for you because it's about being succinct and understanding what the key points are as well. So um, going back then, so I really think it's understanding who it is you're applying to and what the role is, tailoring your CV. I mean, it goes without saying, do, do your research. And I don't just mean sitting behind your laptop and looking at Google, what you can find out about the company. Who do you know who works there? Or, mm. you know, 
LinkedIn particularly, in your network, speak to your friends. Does anyone know anyone who works there? Can anyone link me in? Because those informal conversations often are very, very eye-opening about about culture, stuff that doesn't come across in the interview as well. I also think be bold. You know, if there's a job application out there um, that you think that sounds really interesting and I feel like I almost fit the bill, go for it. You know, mm. um, you said it at the beginning, you've got to take the opportunities that are presented to you. And the, I mean, everyone always laughs at me because when I have graduates and I say, take every opportunity given to you that interests you, grab those opportunities, ask for those opportunities. So yeah, be, be bold out there. Really put, put, put yourself out there, use your network, particularly at senior level. Um, I think, you know, you're kind of junior graduate, you know, relatively inexperienced level. It's, it's more around ad- advertisements and finding what you want. But at senior level, it's so dependent on network and, mm. and, and util- utilising that network. And I mean, there's many people, and I probably include myself in that, who the thought of networking is you know has a pit you get a pit in your stomach and like, oh walking into a room and you know I, f- I find it much easier now but that's not what networking is networking can just be having a chat with someone on the phone to find out what it is just people knowing who you are and just really thinking um being clear what it, what it is you want why you want it and why you're the right person for it as well at a very generic level but i mean the most important thing for me is if i'm re- reading cvs it's being very specific about why you're the right person for the job in a covering letter. Mm. Um, if it's an application form online, it's harder, but then tailor your CV, you know, your opening, your kind of summary on your CV. This is who I am and this is why I'm right for this role. Because, you know, I one of the roles, I've recruited a transformation director and I think I had 150 CVs. Wow. Mm. And, and, you know, and I worked with HR to kind of give them keywords that they needed to look for so that they could sift through them because, um, quite frankly, I don't have the time to sift through 150 CVs, but I still ended up with about 50 um, and you, you, you're going through them. Um, and if they're not tailored and if you're not seeing the things that you are looking for, then they will just go in the no pile immediately. So it's 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 tailoring it um, to the, the skill set that is relevant to the job that you're looking for. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You obviously, you you guys probably don't have an, an applicant tracking system. Not everybody does, but the, but most most companies, you know, do that that keyword sift at, at, at that stage. And I talk to people constantly about, you know, you've got to you've got to get past that that level just to even get your CV seen by a real human being. But when you get the pile, and I've had the pile, you know, back at 20, <laughs> 20 years ago, you know, the pile was a regular thing, 200, 300 CVs. It, it is, you know, you you do have to, you know, you can't spend, you you basically skim read everything. So yeah. so unless something comes out and hits you between the eyes um, as being highly relevant, you know, it goes in the unrelevant pile. And um, yeah, you, you, you really have to, to make yourself relevant. You're absolutely right. I would always go to my network before I'd even applied. I'd, I'd go to the network. Um, I'd, I'd speak to people that, that know the company or know about the industry or whatever it is. I'd get the inside track. And if I really, really, you know, a really quality application would be would be going to somebody within that business yeah. and maybe getting referred because I don't want to end up personally. I don't want to be in the pile. I want to yeah. be in a separate pile. That's like a VIP pile for, 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 for those that, that, that are already very close to being in the shortlist. Yeah. And it's because and, somebody knows me. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's actually a very good point that when somebody is personally referred by somebody, either I trust or within the business, mm. I will 
they they kind of immediately go in the pile. That doesn't they get once they're in the pile, they get treated Absolutely. the same same as everyone else. But they get you do get a bit more of like these. This is a personal referral from someone I trust. Mm. Uh, so you know you, we, we've had we've had it. So you you take a bit more care over reading it and thinking about whether they're right. Um, partly it's human nature, isn't it? You don't want to offend. Well, most people don't want to offend anyone. Mm. You know, and and you want. To, I also want to give people kind of a fair chance as 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 well. So you know, once you get to a certain stage, it's absolutely rigorous. But a personal referral really doesn't hurt. You you need to be in the conversation, and it, and if if you're, I call it the no like and trust factor. It's that sort of idea that if you know like and trust somebody else, and they refer somebody, then you, they're already sort of slightly in that no, no like and trust um sphere if you like and they're they're a ring removed but they're in the sphere so yeah it's it's essential to if you you know these days as you say 150 is actually is not you know i i suspect that's a highly specialized role and you're getting you know you're getting the number that's probably bigger than normal but the average for each uh, job online pre-covid was 250 applications I think it's probably a lot higher now. Um, and in yeah. fact, I've, yeah, I've heard that it's, uh, it's at least double. So, uh, yeah, a lot trickier, a lot, lot more people chasing fewer jobs. Look, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much. No, no problem. Um, and good luck to everyone out there who's looking for a new role. Thanks very much. Okay. All the best. Take care. Thanks. Bye. I hope you agree that Mary brought up some interesting issues there. Um, particularly the fact that, Yeah, I think a lot of industries that have been male-dominated or even white male-dominated are are looking to diversify their their talent pools, and that is an opportunity for people um, to perhaps move into an industry where they they don't have the experience. So that's an interesting one. Also, the fact that um, you really need to do a lot of due diligence, and in fact – actually you know that the interview process is two-way you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you you need to dig deep and find out all you can about an organization before you uh before you join um and that really helps you as well in the interview process the more you know the better armed you are and no doubt the better interview you have um if you're on the market at the moment but struggling to land interviews why not check out my ats beating or resume masterclass it's free it's on the the website careermovesecrets.com and it will really help you um, put your best foot forward when you're making applications. And if you're tired of making applications to jobs where you just think I'm one of 250 or more, and I'm not, uh, I'm not at the front of the queue. Why not take my um, hidden job market masterclass, which will really help you understand how you can get out of the rat race, if you like, uh, with everybody else, and into a situation where you're finding and uncovering those hidden jobs. Um, and if you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider subscribing because there will be more career move secrets podcasts coming very soon. Mm-hmm.